Well, great. That's just going to be a little bit of a bitch to find and edit, but that's okay. I, I'll, I find a way. Love finds a way. Love finds a way. Co right. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay. You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. As soon as I started singing, I was like, all right, just make, let me make sure this isn't another an actual song so we're gonna get fucking algorithmed mm. who gives a shit every time i put out anything on on youtube it gets algorithmed by my company they're like oh yeah the that's copyrighted by me i know i'm like i know bitch i own the copyright yeah that that happened to metallica recently where they were streaming something on twitch and it, their live stream got flagged for a dmca a digital millennial copyright act and it played just like video game music over their, their performance of their own song. Right. It's interesting. Here's the deal. Robots are going to take over and you know, it's inevitable and we, we will bow to our, our cyborg overlords and robot overlords, but robots are also are dumb. They just do what they're supposed to do. They can't, they can't differentiate the nuance of all that. And that gives me a little bit of ease about the robot overtaking. Well, even if they become sentient, there's no, there's nothing that's, that says that they won't just make our lives better in every way. Like we always think of, I always say, I I know I've said it before, even on this podcast, it's like, we always think like, oh, if the robots become sentient and then they become superior to us intellectually, they're going to do what we would do, which is like dominate everything and kill everyone. But that the only reason that humans do it is because we grew we grew up when i say we grew up we evolved as a species um where there was a limited amount of resources so if there was another tribe next to you you had to kill them so that you could get all the resources otherwise your family might die and your kids might die now robots don't need the same resources we do and they're not humans so they don't have the same needs and and they're not going to turn into like the terminator. Well the the scary thing I mean the the truth is that the future of AI actually is really scary. There's several resources you can listen to about that. Sam Harris has a lot to say about it, but the problem isn't that they would have the same human inclinations to destroy like greed or jealousy or fight for survival. The problem is you could make a a machine and it's imperative is to make the most efficient toothpicks. Make toothpicks the most efficient way ever imaginable and constantly learn and refine how to make the most efficient toothpick. The robots, the robot may decide that the way to do that is to kill human beings because they get in the way of making toothpicks or to cut down every tree in the world. Like there are unforeseen consequences that could destroy human life based on AI. Right. But that's a dumb AI. Like, that that that's yeah. that's not the singularity. Yeah. The singularity is where they become way way smarter than we are, and if they become way way smarter than we are, they're gonna know. Oh, that's not the toothpick killing people to make the tooth. Now they may start killing people for other reasons, not to make a toothpick, but maybe to make the world better or to make people's lives better. They might go, you know what? We've got too many people taking up too many resources. There's a limited amount of resources. So how do we do that? Oh, I don't know. Let's create a virus or something. Hello, conspiracy. Oh hello. boy, are we a conspiracy ring, podcast ring. now? Hello, hello. Hold on. I got my I got somebody on my uh ice cream cone phone. Hello? Oh yeah. Conspiracy? How you doing? How you doing? You're looking good. You're looking good, conspiracy theory. Yo, conspiracy theory. 
What's your, what's your hair look like, conspiracy theory? Oh, really? Is it gray? Mm, is it thinning on top? Mm, what else? Tell me more. Oh, it's cut with those scissors where only half the scissor cuts and the other leaves the hair long. Mm, tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, part of it in the back has been cut with a razor. Mm, tell me more. Oh, there's giant bald spots with red lesions on the scalp. Mm, tell me more, conspiracy there. Mm, yes. The end. <laughs> That's my sex sex phone scene with the conspiracy theory. You called it sex phone. Dude, I met somebody last night at a show, and they came up to me, and they go, first, I just want to say one thing, zip. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, I don't like your podcast. I love it. That's nice. Ugh, made me feel so good. I thought people were mentioning the podcast at your shows a lot. They were, but I haven't been playing a lot of shows. That's true. I remember when you... Right before shit shut, I mean, this must have been like November or December of 2019, and you came and played Nashville, and I came out, and Rachel and Brian came, and I hopped up on stage and did 40 Dogs with you, but I felt like there were a lot of people at that show who were like, I okay people. Yeah. Mm. It's catching on. Nice. It's catching on, dude. It's catching on. It's catching fire. That podcast, catching some heat, could go all the way. What's that show the internet where it's about a it company halt and catch fire that's the worst name of a show of all time halt and catch fire how about this fyi gfy great name for a show better than halt and halt and catch fire i heard a new advertisement on conan i've been dipping back into conan's podcast by the way just as funny as it ever was he's He's so so good he's so great but they had seth myers on pretty interesting dude because I've listened to so much Conan that I'm I'm like reading between the lines, maybe inaccurately, but also maybe accurately. Seth Meyers, head writer SNL, then took over Conan's old show, late show, right? So Conan's like, well, you know, we're here today we have Seth Meyers. He's one of the only people on the planet that I can really talk to about like he was a writer on SNL like me. He did the he does, he currently does a late show like I did. Here's the deal though. You can tell that Conan does not like Seth Meyers, which is really rare because Conan's such a kind of gregarious. Yeah. It just seems like he likes everybody, but I can kind of tell that he doesn't like Seth Meyers. And Seth Meyers kind of says some shit that I could see really offending Conan. Oh, wow. I got to I gotta listen to it. Like at one point, Seth Meyers is like, there was a point on my show, meaning the late show, Conan's old show. He's like, where all of my writers basically wanted to be writing for your show in 1997. He's like, just because of the humor, it was absurd. That's what they kind of grew up on. He's like, they just loved it. And he's like, but I just had to tell them, like, that's not new. We can't, we can't write like we're writing for Conan. And just the way he landed it, and Conan kind of didn't say anything for a minute, and he didn't even make a joke about it. I was like, oh, Conan's not liking that, bro. Well, here's what I know about Conan, and here's what I know about Seth Meyers. Conan, genius funny. Has made me laugh a ton. Seth Meyers never has made me laugh once in my life. Well, here's the deal. He probably wrote some sketches that you didn't know he wrote because he did a lot of writing. But I've never seen him like on Weekend Update or him in, as a as a cast member or a featured player be funny ever. No. And I've never seen him on The Late Show be funny. And I can tell you this. I think my entire sense of humor was built by... 
Conan O'Brien on the Late Show in the mid to late nineties. Well, I'll I think say that, that. So where so much of my humor comes from. I'll say this about Conan on his own show. I don't even think he's that funny on his own show. On the podcast and on Conan Without Borders, when he's just riffing, when he's just improvising, I there's a few people. Maybe David Spade is one of the few that are as good or as funny as him. Maybe uh, Norm Macdonald, maybe Kevin Nealon. There's a few people that are naturally, truly funny, but Conan is right up there. He's right in the top five. I think he smokes Kevin The Nealon funniest people of all time. Norm Macdonald. I think Norm Macdonald. Dude, Kevin Nealon. Do you ever watch Hiking with Kevin Nealon? No. Oh, it's so good. He's so, again, I feel like the podcast form is re- you really can tell how funny actually somebody is because there are people that aren't that funny, but they will work their fucking nuts off to put together 30 minutes of comedy. And they can go out there on stage and deliver those 30 minutes and everybody's like, oh, this guy's funny as shit. And then you hear them or hang out with them and they're not really that funny in real life. Yeah, I get that sense about... I mean, I think Eddie Murphy is a living legend. I think he's just one of the greatest of all time. But in all the interviews, even when in late 80s, when he was like really hitting with Coming to America and oh, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop and even Harlem Nights, which kind of got panned, but was like, it's kind of brilliantly funny. Even then he would do these interviews like on, on late night where he would just be very straight and very kind of like not really wanting to be a funny guy. Well, that Comedians and Coffee with Eddie Murphy, he's not funny at all. Right. But he's kind of like really quiet and shy and introspective, like a lot of funny people are. But man, he could put together some funny shit, no doubt. Yeah. Conan is like the most naturally funny I think I've ever seen. He's and I so think he good. was funny on his show until he got The Tonight Show. I remember reading he was going to get The Tonight Show in five years and thinking, oh my God. I remember being excited for five years about him finally having The Tonight Show. And I remember watching being like, this isn't good. He's not rising to this show and then of course they gave it back to jay and the whole thing happened but before that man when he was just late night when he took over for letterman he was fucking funny on tv dude he was funny with guests he was like the only dude you could rely on to be quirky and interesting and weird even letterman kind of mellowed out on that when he got his big show he was quirky and he would occasionally say some funny stuff but the problem with the problem with doing all those bits, he was just doing bits the whole time. So he had his monologue yeah. and you can't come up with uh, 10 or f- even five minutes of solid monologue every night. It's just impossible to come up with that much material. But when you're doing a podcast, you don't have to be funny the entire time. You just have to be funny every once in a while. And he does that as good as anybody. And I'll tell you, the other guy that just came back who's who does that is Chris D'Elia. In fact, Chris D'Elia... Oh, is, is he back? He's back, dude. He's done like three or four episodes. Of course, he's lost all the sponsors. Uh, he's been taken out. He's totally canceled. He's been taken off of everything. He was doing music projects. He was doing music videos. He's been taken out of everything. Uh, and now he's, on Patre- now he's on Patreon. I bet you he's doing gangbusters on patreon because people love him i i was gonna is he talking openly about the no he hasn't talked about it at all so there must be some kind of legal thing going on because he hasn't mentioned it so he's doing or he got the advice that was like here's what you do we went away we had to go bye-bye because the world demanded it right or wrong that's where we're at you had to go bye-bye you have to go do serve some time when you come back you hit the ground fucking running 
and you don't talk about it ever again. I saw a thing the other day it was like Louis C.K. talks about his cancellation and he and Louis C.K. has worked up about 15 minutes where he sort of deals with it. And it's like it's as good as Louis C.K. is, you know, he 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 lands it. He talks about it. He kind of he gets it the morality of it. He gets it the bullshit of it. He gets it his own issues. He gets it how people perceive is it. it, he gets is, it. I, I hate to interrupt you. Is this new material from since the last special that he put out? A year I don't know. Ago? He's in like a club. He's in like a little club. Oh, okay. so he's not in a big theater. Uh-huh. And I gotta say, I watch it. It's fifteen minutes long, and it's like definitely his little bit. He wrote. He makes it seem like he's just riffing, but he it's written. Yeah, he wrote this. Yeah, he's a great writer. And uh, at the end of it, I was just like. Eh, gross. I don't want to hear him talk about it. I, I, I'd rather hear the guy come back and be, be like, this is what we do. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Instead of being like, all right, let's talk about it. Who wants to talk about it? Here we go. Well, he did that in his special. Well, I don't, I don't remember. That special was horrible. Well, for I, his standards. I, I didn't. It definitely, it definitely wasn't. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely not horrible. It's probably his worst special because I don't think he had time to finish necessarily yeah, that's all i mean by horrible. that's what but i mean it's still, by horrible. it's still better than 99 percent of all comedy that you will see it's just not as it's not as good as as his other specials <sighs> you're doing this thing over there where you're like bouncing or is that a caffeinated bounce that you're rocking over there is that a comforting little the the fetal position bob inside of you that lives inside the fake snow cone that you're... i didn't notice i was doing it but yeah you're right i'm uh i'm bouncing my legs for some reason there now i'm calm hold Do on you have nervous energy hold on let me just smell this rose let me get back to nature yeah speaking of that rose earlier you kind of were you had me thinking we were in some sort of like cafe society uh european cafe maybe we can get some more of that music happening and see if any we can inject any magic into the episode because if there's anything I like to feel like I'm doing, it's walking those streets of Paris. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, put, yes, 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 please. Uh, yes. We'll like to sit outside, yes. I'd like a table, please, for two. And I'd like a single red rose and a, and a glass vase. For I'm having lunch with my lover today. Yes, I will take some uh, bumblebees wax for my Florentine mustache and perhaps a kerchief for my foggy monocle. Mmm, may the bag. Yes, yes, the specials, please. Uh, forget it, we'll have the duck. Uh, the duck coming right up, Mom Frug. How, how's the duck here, sir? Is the duck good, please? Uh, the, the duck is. Uh, how should I say? It's. Very nice. It's a very nice duck. We call it the fridge. We have a sauce. The mags. The magnus mortal Dude, I don't know why, but I can't do French. I, I just I can I can laugh in French, but it, that's the only thing I can do. Let's hear it. Let's hear the French laugh. Yes, that's the only thing I got is the French laugh. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's that's a guy called Montfrug. 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 It's kind of similar to a villainous, uh, maniacal laugh. <laughs> 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 somebody, uh, not somebody, my uh, 
my ex-wife's husband sent me an article from the New York Times saying Pepe Le Pew apologizes. I guess he's not in the new face in the new Space Jam movie. Uh huh. I guess he got canceled or something. Anyways, I couldn't read it because New York Times does a thing where you start reading their article and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, subscribe or yeah, do something." And I'm like, "Oh, how about this?" FYI, GFY, FYI, GFY, NYCT. Oh, it's NYT. FYI, GFY, NYT. For your information, go fuck yourself, New York Times. Yeah, I get sent the same shit, and I'm like, no. I have a pet peeve. I'm not sure how reasonable it is. Dude, hold up. It might up. be unreasonable. Hold up. Let me stretch mm-hmm. out my ear real wide because I want to get all of this pet peeve in my ear hole. Go. Someone did it to me this morning where they're like, hey, watch this video. I'm like, no, I don't want to. Stop it. Well, Every once in a while, somebody will send me something good. A guy sent me that this morning. Okay, this isn't a guy I know very well, but he might listen to this podcast, so I can't, I can't, I can't give up too many of the deets. Watch this, please, and read the drop-down description below the video. Oh my! Oh, God. those were my orders. What was Not, the video? Hey, think, tell me what the video was. If first. I say the video, they might be listening and they'll know. So I can't. But let me tell you this: Was it, it good? The video? Didn't watch it. Um, it was like a music video, so it's a song. Didn't listen to it. Don't care. The drop down, I'll tell you in the secret weekly, but it wasn't anything I give a fuck about, dude. Uh, which I realize makes me sound kind of curmudgeon y. But what, I, what can I say, man? I, here's what I do. Here's what I don't do. I don't do that to anybody else. Yeah. So I definitely walk the walk when it comes to this. I definitely treat my neighbor as I expect to be treated, but people don't do that to me. Now, if you send yeah, me something. I mean, I've done that to you. I- I, no, I know. I've done that to you a few times where you're like, hey, man, what the fuck are you doing? I always say, why are you doing this to me? I know. And then I'm like, <laughs> well, because I get it. That's why things go viral, because you see something and it fills you with so much delight and joy. You're like, oh, you I want to share, share this with my yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do that. But but the problem with all of it is, is that taste, artistic, aesthetic, and taste is so singular and unique. I know. But me and you actually have a lot of overlap. Here's what... And here's the thing here. I'm kind of talking myself out of it because here's the thing. It's nice for someone to want to share something with you. That's a nice thing. Right. Here's what I don't like. It's just the link. Just the link. Here's what here's what people need to do if you want to do this with me. And here's what I would do to someone. Hey, I really think you would like that. Like just a couple of sentences. Right. Hey, here's a here's a two minute video. Super funny. It's Eddie Murphy talking about doing the delirious behind the scenes of the delirious. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, okay, I know what it is. I know how much time it is. Right. This is why they think I like it. It's not just like, let me foist my shit onto you. Right. And then and then expect a response. Like we in the Metallica podcast, people send us their music a lot, which is fine. It's totally fine. Send me anything you want. Now, will I listen to it? Will I have time? Uh, depends on the week. But they'll send it and they'll be like, and you know, and let me know what you think. Like they want the receipt. Right. And I'm like, well. I've never done that to somebody. I have never, I've sent music to publishers and sync people. I've sent music to people where they could really open or close doors for me. And it's always like, hey, if you have the time, I get it. You probably have a million things, but here I'm offering up this thing I did. I I, I am sending it to you because I want you to hear it. I've never been like, let me know what you think. And I think it's because I'm sensitive to that. Now that you're saying it, I'm like trying to think if I do it, I don't do it at all. And I mean, there's people I actually should send music to that I've 
never send music to or and don't send music to. I think you can send stuff to anyone as long as your posture is like, hey, here's the thing. I think you'd like it. Enjoy. Goodbye, Bob. Here's I think what you I, should do that. Here's what I do. I make my wife listen to my one song that I wrote that week. And she gives me so much fucking grief and pushback. Then I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Well, okay. Let's start to unpack this. Why? Why would you do that? I always want to play it for for Laura because I respect her opinion. And if she likes it, that's a good sign. That that means somebody who's not me likes the song. Somebody who's not my age likes the song. Somebody who uh, who I respect, who's really smart, very creative. And and here's the other thing that Laura doesn't do. She doesn't bullshit me. So if she doesn't like it, she's going to tell me she doesn't like it. And the other thing I know, here's what I care about. I, I want the ladies to like my music. And I know if my wife likes it, then there's going to be some ladies who like it. And what's that? She's she wanted me to remind you my hot wife. Well, here's what you said. Okay, you said my wife gives me a lot of shit about my song so much so that no, it's not. She doesn't give me shit about the song. She acts like it's such a drag on her busy schedule to listen to three minutes of my music. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, you said something the other day where I sent a song that it's clearly a story song about people who aren't me. And it's a bit, it's a love song. I actually wrote it for some other people. And that's what I sent in that week, put the phrase in it. And you were like, don't let your wife hear this one. I'm like, no problem. How would she even, how would she hear it? Cause, cause I, I Dude, never, because what, I write so many songs. Right. I write so many songs that it's just, it wouldn't make any sense for me to be like, come listen to this, come listen to this, come listen to this, come listen to this. I did play her a song that I wrote yesterday, but it was like a co-write with these chicks and it was like a pop song. And I was like, wanting to make sure that it sounded poppy enough, but you're sharing your little songies with her. She doesn't, you're saying it's like pulling teeth, getting her to listen to him. Well, here's what she's not doing. She's not like, Hey, how was your song this week? Oh, can I check right. out your song this week? No, it's right. me going, Hey, uh, it's me like really trying to figure out what she's doing, where she's at, letting her wake up, letting her you know, like get accustomed to the day, making sure she's not doing anything. And then like, Hey, uh, Will you check out this song? I'd really like to get your input on it. Right. She's like, okay. And she'll listen to it once. And then what is it like for you watching her listen to it? Is it hard for you? No, I I, I love I love playing her stuff. I, I mean, I I like what I do. I like writing songs and and I like hearing what she has to say. Cause again, uh I don't know what she's gonna say. I'm I'm hoping she's I'm hoping she's gonna like it. Does she does it hurt your feelings if she doesn't like it? No, it's just her opinion. And usually she's kind of right, or I. But I kind of know what she likes. She likes anything really acoustic. She likes anything that's sort of earnest and heartfelt. She likes anything sad, anything sort of melancholy. She doesn't like stuff where I'm trying to be funny at all. Like right. If I'm trying to like, you know, be uh, self-aware and funny and ironic, she's like, mm, yeah, that's not my thing. But everything yeah. else, she likes most of the stuff I do. I mean, I'm good. I'm good at what I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have a similar feeling where I'm like, well, I, I wrote this thing because that's what I heard. I, I don't write for universe. I don't write for Disney. I don't write for anyone but me. So when the thing no, no, comes out, right? But the, here's, it's what I wanted it to be. Right. And But I'm getting information from her, which is like, okay, 
if she tells me she doesn't like it, I'll probably still play it on like my live stream on Monday once. Yeah. But I'm probably not going to play it very often. And the other thing I do is I'll run by set lists. So I'm got, oh, I've got a show coming up. Here's the set list. What do you think of these songs? And I'll, and, and basically, it's just like this one, this one. She's like, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, don't play that one. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, don't play that one. And it it's, dude, it helps me out. And she's, you know, she again, she's it's her, it's one person's opinion, but it's not my opinion. I'm a dude. I'm a 55-year-old dude. I mean, I'm I'm in my late thirties. I'm in my late thirties. But but you're an way. artist, and you know who you are, and you know what you're doing. Your age doesn't have anything to do with it. And I think if you start framing like, no, it's not. Well, it's I'm not. 55. It's not about. It's not about my age. It's just about. I want to know what a woman thinks about what I'm doing because mm-hmm. it's important. Because I'm not a woman, and and I can I can pretend I can pretend to think I know what women, but I don't. Yeah. So I like to hear directly from her and then it, it's very helpful and very informative i yeah i mean you're obviously a much more accomplished songwriter than me i can't imagine thinking i hope women like this i i don't get that far i really just don't but also I'm not really an artist the way that you are i will say this you know that poetry book that you made me where you took like 30 of my poems and you gave me like a present where you published like had them built into a book yeah um i haven't let anyone read those because i I'm scared about it and whatever poetry is like super raw and I let a friend of mine read it and they really liked it. And they were like, they like, I read it like three times and I was like, Oh, I should put out a poetry book. Yeah. Like getting that feedback actually was helpful. It was, it did help me feel better about the work I was doing. So, well, it's scary writing something, whether it's a poem or a song or, or making a piece of art, doing anything artistic where you are the person you're the author you're responsible for it and then putting that out there is yours in such it feels so vulnerable yeah. like you're 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 like a little kid showing up on the playground hoping nobody's gonna punch you it's it's scary i don't think people understand that what's a song of yours that you think is really good but it never really got responded to in a way that you feel like it deserved like is there a song oh, that know. you really love and you'll play it just for yourself, even though it doesn't have as good of a track record live as Honey Pot, you know, a song that is kind of tried and tested, but you may be a little sick of. Or do, do any songs come to mind for that? Where you're like, ah. Oh. But I, that's what I do. Like, if I like a song, like I read this song recently called Being Just Fine. And it's a real sad song. And it's about, it kind of, you're the song that you wrote this week reminded me of that song. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's just it's real chill it doesn't have any drums it's just uh it's just piano and vocal and it's uh, about a guy who is talking about this cold case where somebody got murdered but then he's like hey remember that thing that happened 20 years ago oh yeah we were also like seeing each other at the time and now we're not seeing each other anymore but maybe we could get together and maybe start over and do it's just a really beautiful sweet song I play that every time, and I, every time I put it in this in my little set list, I'm like, "Are people gonna like? Like, are, is it gonna bring everybody down when I do this?" But I'm like, "Fuck it, I gotta do, I gotta do that song because I love it." And yeah, and the thing that I've done, I think, pretty good is I try to keep the audience in mind, but at the same time, I have to do stuff for me. So yeah. I'm always doing stuff that I really love. 
and mixing that in my set with stuff, then I'm thinking, well, people are probably, I know that people like to hear what they know. So I have to put music in that people are familiar with that they like. Well, and I think too, you've created a culture around your, your artist world where the people really want to see you. They want to see you performing. Now, if that includes their favorite Bob Schneider songs, that's great. But you have this cool thing where, like, you know, in the country world that I've been in for 10 years in Nashville, they they don't want to hear your fucking album cut, dude. They want no. to hear your hits. They want to hear the songs on the radio. They don't buy your albums. They don't know what track 10 is. Right. And none, I'm telling you, it's just a very fear-driven um commercial commercially driven industry there's no art doesn't matter i mean occasionally it does i'm not saying this is a rule that just applies but making an album making an artistic statement trying to dig deep into something none of that has any import in country music country music is about making people feel like they're having a good time getting helping them escape their problems all the big themes of what we imagine that audience's life is like they work hard they like to drink beer they look forward to the weekends. They like to party and let loose. They love their families. They love God. It's like these seven things. So if you're, you know, I mean, when I, the guy I was with, I was his band leader. So I was always trying to help him develop a set that was interesting. And he just was so scared to do any material that wasn't a big hit. And I, I just found that artistically pretty lame and annoying. And you don't really have that. Your people show up to see you be yourself. And that means playing a your sad cold case song, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, it is It is weird. I'm definitely, I've always said this, I've never been interested in being, in, being a, in a cover band. And that includes being in a Bob Schneider cover band. And a lot of the management that I've had in the past are like, dude, play your album cuts. Like, just play all the songs from your album. Nobody wants to hear the new songs. Nobody wants to hear the songs, the deep cuts or the songs that have never been on an album. I'm like, look, I'm going to play what turns me on. And yeah. and some of that's going to be, obviously, I, I, I put my favorite songs on the album. So the, at one point or another, the, all the albums are filled with songs that were my favorite song when I wrote that album. When I yeah. When I put it together, when I recorded it, these were my favorite songs, with one exception, uh, the Burden of Proof. I kind of used songs that had uh, string arrangements in them, so those ne weren't necessarily my favorite songs. And that is my least favorite album because it has a bunch of songs on it that I don't think are very good. But the rest of my albums are filled with that. Now, do what what happens when you record an album in the studio is you get fucking sick of those songs because you hear them over and over again and you just don't want to play them anymore. That's the problem with songs. Now, if it's a song that everybody loves that gets the party popping, like Tarantula, I'll play that song every time. I played it last night. I loved playing Tarantula with you just because of clearly how much the audience loved it. And I always, uh, maybe less towards the end, towards the last few years I was with you, but definitely when I was first like getting introduced to your world, we were playing two hour shows and I would get sad when we started Tarantula because it meant the show was almost over. Right. Cause I just had so much fun. Not that I didn't have fun later, but once I was more embedded in the world, Tarantula meant, okay, cool. We're <laughs> work's almost done. And that's nice. Yeah. You know, we're going to get on the bus and, you know, have a cocktail and be with my buddies. But how could you not play that? I mean, that's, that's one of those songs that God gives you on earth where it's like, why would you not play that 
song. I, Even I'm if you're tired you. of it, it's just one of those. It's one of those. You wrote, you have a couple of those, but that's definitely one. Well, it's it's a song that gets everybody up and dancing yeah. and moving. And there's something about seeing you affect a crowd physically that's very rewarding and satisfying. Now, the then you have the thing where just people want to hear some stupid song that you wrote. And they, like I have a song called Flower Parts. A lot of people really like that song. It's on the Californian. It's a hard song to sing. I can't sing it very well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I almost have to use auto tune to uh, to sing it correctly. I don't like playing that song. People request that song all the time, and I'm like, I don't want to play it. But is the hang up that it's just hard? It's challenging to sing, and so you you avoid it for that reason, or do you just not really like the song as much as other folks do? It's a it's a hard song to sing, and I don't think it's one of my better songs. I think yeah. it's an okay song that people like, and I have better songs. I have songs that I'm more proud of, but I I tend to be proud of songs where the lyrics are really good and. Again, I don't think people necessarily listen to the lyrics. Even on this, even on my new record, my manager who comes to all my shows, he's a fan. He, no, he's familiar with all my music. It wasn't until the record was finished and he started listening to it, uh, that he finally heard some of the lyrics on some of these songs. I'm like, dude, you've heard this song 15 times. He's like, yeah, I never heard the lyrics until yeah, I, people don't listen. People don't listen to lyrics. Until I heard the actual studio recording. Yeah. That song's so good. I'm like, yeah, dude, of course it is. That's why I put it on the record. Right. But not everybody not everybody digs in. That's the thing I've really realized over the years. So for 20 years, I was playing at Saxon Pub. And we would always do, we would usually do, not usually, but every once in a while I'd do a cover. So I did a bunch of covers. I, I don't know a lot of covers. So I, but I learned maybe over the course of 20 years, maybe 200 covers. And when I say learned, I mean, I played them one time. And the thing that I realized was like, oh, most of these songs, the lyrics just suck. Mm -hmm. They're huge hit songs. They're songs that people know everywhere. And then you break them down. You're like, this is stupid. This was written by a 22 year old dummy. Yeah, but something struck a nerve, and people love it. Um. So, but for for whatever reason, I have this this thing where I just think lyrics are really important, and uh, part of my self esteem is based on how good my lyrics lyrics are. And so, uh, anyways, I I think people that are fans. What they what they get when they dig into my records is they are going to be rewarded if they if they check in and and right. find out what I'm doing like they dig into it they're gonna be like oh wow this is all really right. good whereas well yeah I think a lot of people a lot of their shits just filler and bullshit I think a lot of people hear Forty Dogs and there's a lot of lyrics and they sort of have these little anchor points obviously the chorus being one where you can kind of digest that. And you can kind of understand the story a little bit, but it does take a lot of listens to that song to really fully digest what's happening with the imagery and let the light in similar too. And then once you do that, yeah, it's super rewarding. Rewards upon deeper listens, which that's the chef's kiss of, that's my favorite thing about the best artists in the world is that their work rewards multiple listens. 
like some some music's just like fast food it's good it's fun but like when that Katy perry album came out i was just really loving the production of the guy that makes all those albums i thought it was smarter than it than people gave it credit for and i just thought it was fun and i i had it i loved it had like eight hits on it i can't imagine listening to that right now it just didn't there's no need to. There's nothing new in it to discover about myself, about the work, about her as an artist. My favorite artists do that. They make albums that last forever. And you do that, for sure. Did you watch the new Billie Eilish documentary? No, but you have to tell me about it in the Secret Weekly. We got to go. I got to get out of here. All right, everybody. Speaking of speaking of your new record, you can get it early if you join Bob's other Patreon. Not this one. The other one for the Song Club. Patreon.com slash Bob Schneider. The other podcast is called The Song Club. My other podcast is called Metal Up Your Podcast. If you do like what's going on over here, you can join our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash I-O-K. And uh, we'll see you in the Secret Weekly. Bye. Peace. (laughs) 